In Titus chapter number 2, verse number 1. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, uh, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters, and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Would you help us pray, and then we'll try to bring the message from this text. Father, we are so thankful to be here tonight. Thank you for, uh, God, the opportunity to sing congregational hymns together, singing about you and to you, and then to be able to bear one another's burdens and pray together and pray for one another then to open the Word of God and read it. And Lord God, there's power in just reading the Word of God. And God, just reading these ten verses could change lives. I believe that with all of my heart, that just the reading of your Word can do so much. Father, I pray now as I try to explain the Word of God and give the sense of the Word of God, as it said in Nehemiah chapter number 8, I pray you'd help me guard my speech tonight. Help me say everything I need to. Guard me from saying anything I do not need to say. And help us all leave out of here better than we came. And I'll pray it like, Lord, uh, like I've prayed already today. If there's somebody lost here on Wednesday night, I pray, God, they be saved by the good grace of God. I know tonight's a good night. It's a good night, good candidate for a night to be saved. And I pray, God, uh, that you'd work in hearts and lives like only you can. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Now, Paul is writing. Under inspiration, I'm not going to rehash everything, but he is, he is in chapter 1, he has given direction to the Christian leader. Paul has said that Titus is left in Crete to set things in order because God is a God of order. God wants the church to be in order and God wants our lives to be in order. And now in chapter 1 he has dealt with the Christian leader. Now in chapter 2 the direction turns from the preacher in the pulpit to the, the, the people in the pew. I thought about writing it like this. It goes from the preacher in the pulpit to the creature in the pew. But I didn't know if that would be right to say. <laughs> but, but he goes from the one in leadership uh, in the leadership of the church to those that are a part of the body of the church. Now, again, I've said this over and over again in the last several Wednesday nights. It is definitely true that things do rise and fall on leadership, but it is equally true that things rise and fall on followership. And just as much as a church must have a strong uh, leader in the office of the pastor, a church must have strong people in the membership to be effective in this present age. 
You can have the Apostle Paul as your pastor. And if you don't have the people uh, that are strong and living right and godly, then the church is not going to be effective. And so what we are seeing in Titus chapter 2 set forth before us is not something that we are simply to consider and see, well, if I feel like it or, well, yeah, that appeals to me, so I'll do that. No, these are things that must be carried out And these are things that the Christian, the the godly church member ought to do. And so I'm preaching tonight on the standard for godly members. The standard for godly members. You say, well, why? Why is it so important that I, as a member of the local New Testament church, why is it important that I have standards? I thought the only qualifications were those of the pulpit and those of the pastor. Well, that's why uh, you, we read our Bible, and that's why you have, uh, we preach through the Bible. But I want to tell you why. Here's why. Look in, China, in, in verse number 10, at the end of the verse, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. You know what that word adorn means? It means to decorate. It means to beautify. Here's why it is important for us as church members to follow through with Titus chapter 2 and these standards that God has laid out for us is because we are to be beautifying the doctrine of Christ to this world. We are to decorate, to adorn the doctrine of Christ. Listen, the lost world judges doctrine not by doctrine itself. The lost world judges doctrine by the conduct it produces. The lost world is watching us. And if we as Christians show a good example to the world outside, then then, then they will be drawn to the light of the gospel if we beautify the doctrine of Christ. See, see, we've got a wrong idea. And I'm going to try to stay on the notes because I've got a lot to cover. But, But let me just get off right quick and say, we've tried to beautify the doctrine. We've tried to beautify the church without beautifying the doctrine. That's why the world has all these worldly gimmicks. And and listen to me. I believe the church and the property of the church, the building ought to be taken care of. It ought to be beautiful. It's it's God's property. It ought to be. And if we're going to do something, we ought to do something to the best of our ability. It ought to look good. It ought to to sound good. All that kind of stuff. But watch this. We have worried about a lot of that stuff without worrying about our lives adorning the doctrine of Christ. And so if we will live the life that God has called us to live for, these truths that are being proclaimed from the pulpit ought to produce some fruit in the pews. See, God is concerned with our lives. He's concerned with us when we leave here today. He's concerned with us when you wake up in the morning and go about your day tomorrow, wherever that may be. God is concerned with that. And in this chapter, in chapter 2 of Titus, God is urging us for a good life. He is asking us to be an exhibition of a good example. He is pleading for us to be in good practice. Okay, And so the saints of God, we ought to take those things seriously. We ought to take those things to heart. And we ought to show fruit, forth fruit for the Lord. I believe this. When that is done, when we take these things, we take it to heart, we put it into practice, then we will be adorning the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. So there's the answer to your question. Why should I? 
Why should I worry about? Because we're adorning the doctrine of God, our Savior. He saved you. He redeemed you. He bought you with a price. Why would you not want him to look good? Huh? I tell, I, just yesterday, we were having a little come to Jesus me and Maggie, having a little come to Jesus meeting. I know y'all don't believe that. She's the sweetest girl in the world. But there are times daddy has to correct her. And uh, so I looked at her and I said, you're going to stop that because we are not people that do that kind of stuff. I said, we, Allens, don't do that. And you're not going to make me look bad. And so you're going to get up, stop wallowing around in self-pity and pitching up fit. And stop, I'll do everything wrong. Get yourself up, wipe your tears, and let's go back, do, go back in there and play. Because Allens don't do that. All right? There's some things you just ain't going to do because you got the last name Allen. Now, you marry some little sissy boy that's got, got some other idea. You do what you want to. But as long as daddy is daddy, she's going to do what I say. I remind my children, you're my, you're my children. Act like my, be, give, me, give me a good name. Make me look like a good daddy. I know I'm not a good daddy, but make me look like one. You know what? We have a job to make God look good. We are to be beautifying the doctrine of God our Savior in this world. And so there's your answer why. Before we get into the what, there's the why. And I don't know about you, but that why compels me to find out the what. That why draws me. The why of thinking about making my Savior look good in this world. I want Him to look good in this world. Well, I never forget, and I'll give you this and then we'll, we'll move on. But just by way of illustration, y'all understand this. But I remember being at my grandparents' house. And my, my grandparents were well known in, in, in Cedar Town, in that town, and they're very known. Uh, my, my, my papa. Anyway, I was there on the, the weekend. I was spending the whole weekend with them. That Saturday night, I was going to a high school play at the auditorium. And my grandmother looked at me and she said, What are you wearing? What'd you bring to wear to that play? And I had on like blue jeans and, and, and I don't know what I had on. Blue jeans, t-shirt, blue jeans, maybe a collared shirt. I said, I, I just thought I'd wear this. And she said, no, you're not. I said, Granny, this is what everybody will be wearing. She said, Bert Wood's grandson is not going to the theater like that. I said, well, Granny Ann, all I've got left is the, my church clothes that I brought to wear to church we all Sunday. She said, well, I'll, I'll iron those. You'll wear those tonight to the theater, and then you'll come home. I'll wash them, and you'll wear them again tomorrow. You'll wear the same thing twice. You, you know what she said? Because our grandson is not walking up in that theater looking like you look. <laughs> she said, you're going to make us look good. And you know what? We need to make the Lord look good. So let's look real quickly of some things, some things, or some, 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 and there's, there's five different groups here. In these ten verses, five different groups that he addresses. Number one, the sound-aged man. Verse two, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and in, or in patience. See, the aged men, you say, what, where does that line draw? I don't know. <laughs> Hippocrates said that they called aged men they started calling them aged at 50 I don't know maybe you're 50 and you don't feel like an aged man praise the Lord whatever wherever you identify here okay <laughs> but watch this I told, uh, told the family that visited with us Sunday morning they showed up for Sunday school and I said we have the young adults in the fellowship hall and we have the other adults 
in the, in the sanctuary. And he, he kind of looked at me. But I said, I call them the other adults because I don't want to be offended. I don't know where they identify at. Right? And so I don't call them old people. But anyway, uh, so, so wherever you identify, aged. But here's the thing. Aged men are vital to the health of the church. Aged men can exhort, exert an influ- and a, a, a tremendous influence if their lives are as they should be. And so every saint should grow old graciously. I don't mean that you like it that you're getting old. I talked to my our Becca rep uh, this morning. He had a car wreck on Saturday. I talked to him, checked on him, then he came by and saw me today. And uh, Brother Mike Bowman, he's a great man. And uh, he said, you know, they said I could have surgery and, and all this stuff. And he said, I got the at your age speech from my doctor. You know, at your age, it's not worth doing the surgery kind of thing. And he said, that guy to just put me in the dampers. <laughs> you know, at your age, what's that supposed to mean? And, and, but you know what? You, we, ought to, we ought to all be willing to, uh, we want, be, desire to grow old graciously. You don't have to be old. You don't have to. You don't have to be. You don't have to be old grouch. You don't have to be old, bitter, rude, uh, ugly. You uh, aged men. Aged men are to be men who number one are sober-minded. It says sober. That word sober-minded simply means this: temperate in all things. He is careful about. The, he is careful about the whole of their conduct. He is careful about what he does, what he says, and how he does it, and how he says it. He is moderate in his habits. He's sober-minded. But he's also serious-minded. He's grave. Doesn't mean he's got one foot in the grave. (laughs) Grave means he's serious-minded. It means he is this. He is careful about his demeanor. He carries himself with dignity. He carries himself as a Christian gentleman. He he carries himself as one worthy of respect. He doesn't just think everybody ought to respect me because I'm old. He carries himself with a respectable demeanor. He's sober-minded. He's serious-minded. He is sound spiritually. The aged men ought to be settled on the fundamental truths of Scripture. He must know what he believes, know why he believes it, and be settled on it. But also, he ought to be satisfied with living by the Scriptures. Be satisfied by living according to the doctrine of God. And he ought to be healthy spiritually. He ought to be sound spiritually. He ought to be self-controlled. He thinks before he speaks. He's not easily excited or he's not rash in decision. He handles himself as to not hurt his testimony. He is careful about how he is self-controlled. That word, uh, he he is temperate. Then he shows charity. He has a heart filled with love and grace, especially to those of the household of faith. Can I just give a word, uh, can I give a word of warning to our older men and women? Don't forget how it was when you were raising children. Don't forget that you have more time now than those, and I'm not saying this because I'm one of them, but, but those of us that have are raising children, those of us that are raising our family. We don't have them raised yet. And so please show us grace. And show us love. 
Hey, watch this. Don't forget that you've been saved 50 years and that new convert's just been saved a few weeks. Please show them love and show them grace. Hey, listen, don't forget even if they claim they've been saved for a while, they just got in church and they're just getting right with God. Please, older people, show love and grace. And there's a, there's a commission here. He says this, a, a, a aged man is to be in charity. He is to have charity, heart full of love, especially those of the household of faith. And I'll say this, that love ought to show forth his love for God ought to be visible. His love for God's people ought to be visible. But then that's going to overflow. You're going to have love for the world as well. Love that they see here the gospel. Show charity. But then they're going to have supporting patience. And I guess that flows into what my statement I was just made. He's going to endure his own hardships of life. He's not going to give up. He's not going to lose courage. He's going to keep fighting the good fight of faith. But he's also going to have supporting patience for those that are going through hardships. Those who are having trials, those who are having troubles, he's going to have supporting patience that he's going to be there for them and be a strong, be there to maybe just say, hey, God's got me through it, he can get you through it. Or just to be saying, hey, I'm praying for you. I don't know what you're going through in my life, my long life of living. I've never been through what you're going through right now. But I'm telling you, God's grace has been sufficient and it'll be sufficient for you. We need some aged men, sound aged men in the membership. Listen. Old age in a Christian should be marked by sobriety, supplication and prayer, sound judgment, self-government, and a sound faith. The sound aged woman, aged man. Now number two, the sound aged woman. Verse number three, I'm moving fast. The aged women, verse three, likewise. Look, notice here he says that, she says, uh, Paul says, the stuff I just said about the men, that goes for the women too. That they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober. Notice this. There's a lot of detail given to the duty of the aged women. Why? So that there's no misunderstanding as to what's involved in their conduct and service. And I believe this with all my heart that as a church, and, and I'm not just talking about our church, I'm just saying in, in the church in general, if we would do well for our aged men and our aged women to take to heart these things that Paul is telling you. And so there's detail given here. Why? What, do you, what can I do? What can I do in my older years? What can I do? Well, there's a lot here. Number one, to show holy character. Be, be, be in behavior as becometh holiness. What is that? That's godliness. A reverential spirit of dedication and devotion to sacred things. Listen, we don't need a bunch of glam malls. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what a glam mall is? Hello? They all glamorize and look like they, they, a bunch of grandmas that want to glamorize. We don't need that stuff in the church, okay? We, listen, grandmas ought to be grandmas, amen. Hey, and listen, aged women ought to show holiness. They ought to have a dedication to the things of God and a devotion to the things of God. Watch this, their outward life will, ought to show forth the holiness of their inner life. You know why? I, used, I, 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 I know I try to respect my elders and all that kind of stuff. But when you meet, my, my, my great-grandma was the meanest woman I ever met in my life. She was. She's mean. I hated going to Mama's house. 
I mean, I hated it. I, I mean, and she wasn't mean to me. I was just quiet. I kept my mouth shut. I didn't say nothing to her. She, you walk through the door and she's fussing you out about something. Now, she tricked you though. My mama was tricky, buddy. I didn't know what to call her either, mama or mama. We called her both. But anyway, you, you knock on the door and she'd go, woo-hoo. That says, mama's home. And that says she's probably back in the kitchen. Now, mama could cook now. She could. But, but and, and she, she was always, it was always, it, like her house wasn't that bad. But just she was, I just hated being around her. They'd be like, you want to spend that long? No, never, ever. Ever, no, mama, no. If anything, if she's the last person on earth, I think I could survive by myself at home. Never once spent the night with her. I never stayed there by myself. Do not leave me here, mama. Don't leave me here. She's mean. I'll tell you why. Now, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't think she's, I don't know if she was saved or not. I hope she was, but I know she wasn't spirit-filled. I remember we used to have Sunday dinners at her house every Sunday afternoon. We would come to her house. We'd gather up there, and we'd eat. And I remember uh, Mama telling me as a, as a little child, my sisters don't even remember this, but I remember her saying, we're not going to do this uh, anymore uh, because Mama was going to go to church and start going to church more, and, uh, and she won't have time to cook those big dinners. I said, well, she needs to go to church. <laughs> I remember being little and telling my mama, I was like, if anybody needs to, she does. And uh, she's mean. And you know what, though? Hey, listen, listen, that'll tell on you. Your spirit will tell on you, ma'am. Sir, your, te- your spirit will tell on you, too. Our outward life is just the outward showing of the godliness or ungodliness that's on the inside, right? And so, uh, a, a holy character. Listen, our aged women ought to possess a conduct that is appealing and is a testimony that is heavenly. Holy character. But then she ought to show honest speech. Look what it says. Not false accusers. You've got to be careful of guarding yourself from the tendency of slander. Beware of making false accusations. Let me just use the word nobody likes. Stop gossiping. <laughs> Amen. Beware of gossip. Beware of slander. Watch this. Beware of fault finding. Not careful. All you'll do is sit around and see who you can find fault with. It's amazing. Before I had kids, before I had kids, I could write a book about how to have how to raise kids right. I don't even know what to put in the first word right now. To be honest with you. I'm so lost in this thing of parenting, I have no idea what I'm doing. Just to be honest with you. But I had it all figured out about eight years ago. And it's amazing to me, I've had, and I'm not saying, but I've had some in the older years. I had one particular, I remember, he was just telling me all what he's supposed to do. And I said, how many of your kids turned out for God? I said, how many of your marriages done busted up in divorce? I said, I'm not being ugly, sir, but I'm not taking advice about marriage or about raising kids from you. Hello? Listen, I'm not trying to be ugly, but I don't want to find, I, listen, I might watch somebody who's failed and say, I don't want to do it like that. But a dude that can't keep his marriage together ain't going to be the one to tell me how to keep mine together. And a dude that can't raise his kids right ain't going to be the one to tell me how to raise But watch it. What I'm saying is we better be careful of watching everybody how they're doing it. Well, I do it different. I do it different. I do it. Well, sure you will because you're different. Right? And maybe you're at a different stage and a different age and a different place of life and all this stuff. And so, so what we've got to be careful of, well, all of us have to be careful of, of having honest speech, not being a slanderer, not having, beware of making false accusations. And watch this. If you don't know if it's absolutely true, then you ought not just repeat it. 
Because <laughs> as far as you know, it's false. Right? And we have that happen all the time. And then fault finding. Listen, we are not, we, I read this statement uh, this, uh, earlier this week, and I, I wrote it down. Uh, and I said this a little bit last week, but this statement makes it better. Uh, we are never so diabolical as when we indulge in slandering others. We are never more close to being demonic than we're slant, when we're slandering others. Be careful. Our tongues can be a world of iniquity. So make sure our aged women ought to be showing a holy character, showing honest speech. Watch this. Ought to show healthy habits. Not given, not given to much wine. And again, wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. This is not talking about being able to take your little toddy on the beach or have your little wine cooler uh, on, on, on a down night. This is saying you are not to be given over to unhealthy things no matter what society tells you about it. Here's why. Because this lady is careful about her testimony. She is striving to be different from this world. See, virtue never flourishes when the soul is in sin. So you're giving over to some kind of controlling substance, whether it be wine, alcohol, or other kind of controlling substance this world will throw at you, then you are not, you are not going to be a virtuous woman. Amen. And so show healthy habits. Also, aged women, the sound aged woman, will serve in helpful service. Notice it says, teacher of good things. The aged woman is to serve in helpful service. By her life and by her lip, she's to teach good things. The way she lives and the way she speaks is teaching good things. Her life transformed can tell of the transforming power of Christ and the grace of God. And then her lips are to testify of the wonders of a changed life through faith in Christ. Hey, listen, there is nothing more joyous than to sitting with an aged woman and her to tell about the grace of God that's worked in her life and tell how God has supplied her need and how God has changed her life. To tell how the grace of God has carried her through. It is a, I love hearing the testimony of an aged man and an aged woman whose life and lips line up one with another. Many, many, I'm afraid in this hour, their lips say one thing, but their lives say something totally different. Listen, it does not do good for you to say, don't do as I do, do as I say. People are watching what you do. So your, lip, lip, uh, your life and lip ought to be teaching good things. And then... The aged woman ought to help in a household function. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean? Verse number four. That they may teach the young women. Here I believe God, the Holy Spirit, is, is instructing how does this church thing work? You've got this young pastor. Titus is pastoring this church. He is, he is putting things together the way they're supposed to be. He is to be speaking things that become sound doctrine. He's to be preaching truth. He's be preaching things that are right as far as our position in Christ, but he's also preaching the things that are practical and how we're supposed to live our life. And then what's supposed to happen is the aged men, their life is to say amen to what the preacher said. Not just saying it in the serpent, but, but living it out. And then the aged woman is to say amen to what the preacher said by her life. But watch this. But then the aged woman has an added responsibility. She is to teach the younger women. 
And I believe this, the aged women, whether on purpose or not, are teaching our younger women. I believe a lot of it is not on purpose. I believe a lot of it is out of neglect. But the reason I believe, I believe that we are in a society that we're in, and I don't want to carry off too much of the notes here. I've got a lot to cover still. But I want to say this, the reason our society is in such a mess is because I believe the women are in such a mess. Because I do believe this, a society, the heart of the home is the woman, and the heart of the society is the, of, is the woman. And as long as women are marching to kill their babies, and as long as women are marching to be able to turn into men, come on now. I'm not saying they're not any, but that's a whole lot of more. There's a whole lot, this trans crowd, there's a whole lot more of, of these, these brainwashed women wanting to be men. Why? Well, because we told them, we told them to, stop, to stop having babies and start killing their babies. And we told them that, 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 that we, we, I don't get off my notes, I got to say it, but let me say this. When the women are right in a society, the heart's right. I believe the picture, the darkness of our society, and I'm not saying you in this room, thank God for the women of this church. I am so thankful for the ladies of the White Grace Baptist Church, but I am saying this as a whole. But watch this, the reason these young girls are acting so stupid is because the older girls didn't tell them how to stop. Listen, the aged women are to teach the younger women. They have a responsibility to teach them. What are they to teach them? To be sober young women. The witness of the aged women is directed to the young. Their lives are to be marked by several characteristics that are becoming to Christian women. So what are these aged women to teach these younger women? Well, number one, about personal sobriety. Look what it says. Teach that they may teach the young women to be sober. Think wisely. Act wisely. You what you say ought to be wise. What you do is supposed to be wise. Again, I said it last week. We don't need this ditzy Barbie stupid woman out there. Oh, whatever. Oh, whatever. Women ought to speak with wisdom. Women ought to speak, ladies ought to speak and act with wisdom. They ought to beware of rash, hasty comments. You look on social media. Who's the one popping off at the keyboard all the time, a lot of time? It's a rash, hasty woman. You know what? Somebody said, well, the husband ought to fix it. And you're right. But there ought to be some aged women to say, that's not ladylike. That's not how a Christian young lady is to present herself. You ought not act so stupid. Amen. Listen, there ought to be some older ladies sometimes take some of these young women and say, stop being so rash. Stop being so hasty. Stop being unwise. Stop being foolish. Act and speak carefully. Be moderate in your speech. Be moderate in your actions. Personal sobriety. But watch this. Personal charity for her husband. She says this. Teach those girls, teach the young women to love their husbands. You'd think that would be, that'd just be regular. But you know what? That's not. The aged women are to teach those young ladies to be loving toward her husband. To express that love 
in ways that proves their love for him. Sunday night, I'm not going to do all that again, but Sunday night, I talked about learning the love language of your partner. I talked about when I'm preaching on adultery, and one of those guards of adultery is learning how to love your spouse. And ladies, young ladies, are to have to be taught how to love their husbands, how to show that love for them. But then that the older ladies are to teach parental affection for her children. Teach those young girls how to love their children. Can I talk to us uh, to the moms? This is, good. this is good for us dads too, but this is specifically to the moms, the young ladies. Be careful of letting busyness, socializing, or any other activity keep you from your children. Show your children that you love them by enjoying them. That hit me hard. When I earlier this week, when I put those statements down, enjoying them, there are times as parents, as young parents, are so so wrapped up in what's going on and so wrapped up in the training and the discipline that it's sometimes hard to enjoy just being with them. The Spirit of God smote my heart last night about that very thing of enjoying. Being with them. Enjoying them. Watch this. Giving time to them. Parents, love for your children is spelled T-I-M-E. Time. And then, by teaching them the Bible, young mothers, mothers of young, mothers with children, you ought to be teaching your children the Bible, the Word of God. And I'm, I, I'm not saying my mother was perfect, but I'm thankful for my mama taking time for me to show me what does the Bible say about some things. And then teaching me when she didn't know what the Bible says to teach me, you need to search the scriptures, boy. Find out what that Bible says. Don't just take man's word for it. Uh, teaching them. And then showing your children a Christ-like life. God, God help us. I, I love, we, we, what happened to the generation? We are long removed from the generation who, who would testify in church and say, my mother was the greatest Christian I ever met in my life. Not many young people are saying those things. It's because maybe we've privatized our spiritual life so much. Mamas and daddies, our kids ought to hear us pray. They ought to hear us worship. They ought to see us worship. My children have come to me many times, their mother praying on an altar and weeping, and them saying, is that good crying or bad crying? Is that good, is that good crying or is that bad crying? I said, mama's just worshiping. We don't need to privatize our Christianity in front of our children. We ought to show them. They ought to catch us in our Bible. Things like this are, are better caught than taught anyway. They ought to be prudent in conduct. That's what the older women are teaching these younger women, to be prudent in conduct. Be cautious about what you say. Your words carry weight. All of us, that's true. But, but the, the older women are telling these younger girls, hey, what you say matters. Be careful of what you say. Be careful of how you act. How you act matters. Older ladies are to teach these younger girls to be on guard. To be sensible. Don't be silly. This is what Andrew Telford said. I liked it. Ladies be ladies, not clowns. I thought that was deep. 
Ladies be ladies, not clowns. My goodness, we need some aged women to tell some of these younger girls, stop being a clown. Stop being so silly. That don't mean not have a good time. That don't mean any of that. If you're taking it that way, it's because you're not taking it in the right spirit tonight. These girls need to learn. They need to learn it from an aged woman. Watch this. Uh, another couple of things more. Uh, not only uh, prudent in conduct, but purity in character. Have a pure heart towards God. If we, if we could just get that right, a pure heart towards God, our thoughts will be right, our words will be right, our deeds will be right, if we have a pure heart towards God. Our conversation, our dress, our attitude, our habits ought to be chaste is the word here. And that word chaste literally means this, to be free from sexual sin, to be free from obscenity, and then to be free from barbarous words or phrases. Chase, that's what it means. It means this, in language, pure, genuine, uncorrupt. Your conversation ought to be chaste, ladies. There's things you ought not talk about. There's things you ought not say. An older lady ought to be saying, hey, that's some of that stuff preachers was preaching about. Preeminently homemakers. As a keeper at home, the chief concern for the young lady is her home should be her home. Her home should be clean. I'm telling you what, it's a it's a sad day. It's a sad day when most people you couldn't walk up in their house because of how nasty it is. That's a disgrace to God. That is a disgrace to God to not have a clean house. And you kids that are old enough to pick up after yourself, you ought to pick up after yourself. I mean, that's nasty. Put your clothes in a dirty clothes basket. Put your dishes in a dishwasher. Clean your stuff up. Put your stuff back where it ought to go. Amen. Watch this. Ladies, guard against the busyness that neglects the home. That's a poor example of Christianity. Then pious in behavior. That means good. It says good. The word just good. It means to be this. It means to be good. It means to be kind and gracious in all our ways. And then you ought to have proper respect for your husband. She ends this, or he ends this by saying obedient to their own husbands. That's clear in Scripture. Why? The husband ought to have preeminence in that lady's life outside of Christ. So, well, my kids, well, that's why you won't be a happily married person when your kids are gone. Amen. If things go like they're supposed to, you're going to have a whole lot more time together when them kids are gone than you got with them kids there. And just newsflash, most of them, them kids going to leave one day and you ain't going to hardly get to see them hardly at all. And then you ain't going to care about seeing them, you're going to care about them grandkids. But daddy's going to be there. <laughs> And so, many women, it's amazing to me, many women will obey their boss. Many women will obey the preacher more than obeying their own husband. I, I put this in my notes, and I mean it. What a disgrace to Christ. That is a disgrace to Christ. Why all this? Well, persuasive in their testimony. That the word of God be not blasphemed. 
I've got several more things here. Let me just give them to you quickly and I'll be done. The strong young man, I don't have a bunch of sub points for him. Because he says this, the young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. Christian young men should be clear-headed. Young men, listen. You ought to be clear-headed. Considerate. Not rash in your speech and your actions. Submissive. Easy to advise. Not willful and headstrong. Not hasty and not proud. Young men, sober-minded. We need strong young men. And then next week I'll pick up on the sincere servant. And I will say this this week about it though. I want to talk more about the servant next week because I don't want to do But I'll say this. That word offends us because the word employee and the word employee waters down the expectation that God has placed on his people in the workforce. We don't like that servant master business. That's God's words. That employee, employer waters it down. But a servant is to be sincere. And here's why all of this, and again, I'm going to come back to that servant. Here's what happens when these things are practiced by us. Number one, the word of God is not blasphemed. That's what it says in verse number five. Then the word of man will not say evil. That's what it says in verse number eight. That he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. And then number three, the winsome gospel of Christ will be beautified. Verse 10, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Listen, the lost world is judging doctrine by you. The lost world is looking at Christianity. They're not looking at our doctrinal statement. The, the, Christ, the lost world is not going on our website and looking at articles of faith. They're not coming by here and grabbing a book of our articles of faith. They're not walking at the church covenant. Many of the lost world, they're not reading the Bible to find out what we believe. They're watching us live. They're judging by our conduct. And so, if we, if we will show a good example, the world, the world will come, come to the light of the gospel. Talk about that. Well, Jesus said, Jesus said we're supposed to be showing forth our good works, right? Let your light so shine hid in the closet. No. Let your light so shine hide it under a bushel. Oh, no. What did Jesus say? Let your light so shine before men. Why? That they may see your good works. What are they going to do? Glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So when they see our good works, it'll glorify the Father. But watch this. When they see our evil works, it disgraces our Father. So, here we are. The Spirit of God is urging us for a good life. He is asking us to exhibit a good example. And He is pleading for good practice. Why? So we can adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. In all things. Let's all stand, heads bowed, eyes closed, and you may not want to come to the altar. That's fine, but the altars are open. May you want to use your pew there. If I've dealt tonight with the aged men, the aged women, the young women, and the young men, I've not dealt with it. 
the Spirit of God dealt with it. It's, it's in the Bible. I've just tried to give the sense. I know this. I've covered every ground, everybody in this room. Every one of us could strive to adorn the doctrine of Christ better, to make him look better. Every one of us could beautify the gospel of Christ a little bit better. That the word of God be not blasphemed. That evil men's mouths may be stopped. And that the word of God be beautified.